Well, welcome to Newport Church at Home Online. So glad you joined us, whether you're here in Orange County or in other parts of California or other states in the US or other parts of the world. We're so glad you could be with us. Our prayer is that faith will rise in your heart as we worship God together, as we look into his word and, and as we focus on Jesus. I wanna really encourage you to take time Try not to get distracted, but to focus and, and to receive uh, what God wants to do in your heart during this time of worship and also in, our, in the Word and in every other aspect of our time together. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for each and every person today as we worship you, as we gather in our homes or wherever we are, I pray, Lord, that you would work in each of our hearts through the work of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray, speak to us, inspire us, encourage us, help us to take the steps of faith that we need to take to possess every promise that you have for each one in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's open our hearts and let's worship God together. Good morning, church. We are so excited that you're with us this morning. We pray that as we worship together, that your heart would be enriched with his love and his grace and his mercy. Peace like a river, wash over me. Immerse me in water, as deep as the Worship your holy name, 
Everything we've seen, there is more to 
so good to be able to worship God together and I want to continue with our worship by giving our donations, our tithes and our offerings. We're so thankful for your partnership with us which not only enables us to fulfill our ministry here as a church locally but also to have a global impact. And one of the things that I want to highlight today is that your giving is enabling us to be able to support kids in Mumbai, India who are being helped by the Ministry of Vision Rescue that's headed up by Bijou Thampi. Bijou is a great friend of ours and we've been working with him over the years and supporting kids that he brings off the streets and, and they provide them food, education, healthcare, training and life skills, uh, share the gospel with them and, and enable them to have a fresh start in life. And we this year have made a commitment to support a class of 20 kids, which means that we as a church, Newport Church, are supporting a whole classroom, 20 kids uh, from uh, the beginning to the end of the year, 365 days of the year, and their lives are being transformed by what Bijou is doing and by your giving. I want you to check out this video and as you do to prepare your heart and prepare to give. And if you haven't been able to give to this, please feel, feel free to partner with us in this because it's making a huge difference. I wish that we could all go and see the work that they do because it is, it is so powerful and such a great privilege to partner with. Check this out now. For many living in the slums, there is a slum mentality that this is the only way of life with no escape and their children have no other choice but to follow the same path. They are put to work, left to raise their siblings, married of young or left prey to being trafficked into domestic service or prostitution. But that doesn't have to be the story and we know that when you educate a child, then you give them the power of choice and can set them on a different path. Our thought was simple. If you can't get the people off the streets, if you can't get the people out of the slums, then get the slums out of the people. Our approach had to be innovative. 
A ministry to the children living on the streets and the slums of India started with the bus program. But to rescue many more children, we have to think outside the bus. This is the first of what we hope will be many more of Vision Rescue Community Centers operating in the slums as a focal point for transformation. All of our programs have helped us develop trust in the slum communities where we work. And this has allowed us to begin to change the model of how we work and become even more effective. In 2012, we opened our first school inside a slum. A school inside a slum gives a community an understanding of the importance of education, that it is possible for their children to have an education and there is hope. The Beacon School gives 120 children the opportunity for an early education. It stops bad stories from being created and gets children on the right pathway at the critical age between four and seven. And we are beginning to see the fruits of this school with students going on to formal education. Together, we can reach out a helping hand to empower and free children from every form of exploitation, bringing hope, dignity, and the freedom to choose the best possible life. You can be that person who says, I can do something and I want to see this transformation happen for thousands more children. This is our vision and this is Vision Rescue. Sunday. This past Friday, we celebrated London Eternity's 13th birthday. And when I think about the day that I told Pastor Jonathan the news, um, I do have a giggle because it was a Sunday. He was busy preparing for church and I thought, oh, I need to have like the perfect timing. How am I going to do this? And um, he just took one look at me and he said, you're not. And I said, well, but I am. And then we laughed and laughed and laughed and we were just so full of joy because our surprise baby, she was on her way. So happy birthday week to you, London Eternity. And you know, when it comes to gender reveals, they are so sophisticated these days. Um, back in the day, it was, um, let's go to the store and get a pair of either, you know, pink shoes or blue shoes and let's tell the kids that way. And so here are the original little pink converses. All the kids were super excited. They all wanted a sibling um, and here she is. So how amazing is it to be blessed with kids? And as a church family, we love baby dedications and we love um, when children are born and when they're dedicated to the Lord. And, you know, when we celebrate Mother's Day and Father's Day, we always want to encourage everyone in our church that it's not just about, um, you know, whether you're able to have kids biologically or not, it's about us embracing as a family because we love the mums and dads in the house. 
And um, I want to read to you right now from Pastor Jonathan's precious Bible. It's falling apart, getting him a new one soon. And um, every time we've had a, a baby dedication, this is the scripture he reads. And I am actually really looking forward to having more baby dedications in the future. So let's uh, look right now at Psalm 127. And it's verses three to five. This is what the Bible says. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Kids are awesome. And they're not little for long, so enjoy them while you can. Once upon a time, it was the Tooth Fairy for little London. And now she just got her braces off. Even though we had a surprise baby in our latter years, I wanna really encourage you that God's timing is always perfect. Trust Him with your life, trust Him with his timing, and may that bring peace to your heart today and always. God bless you. I love you. Well, today we're going to continue with our series, We've Never Been This Way Before, and we're going to focus specifically on several of the significant transitions that the nation of Israel needed to take to enter into the promised land. Of course, our key uh, text uh, is Joshua 3 verse 1, where we read early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. Then you will know which way to go. Of course, our focus has been on how God transitioned the nation of Israel from Egypt uh, after 400 years of slavery into the wilderness where they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness to entering the promised land. And we see a nation of slaves becoming free people and then coming into a possession that God had for them. They went from Egypt to the wilderness to Canaan. And all of these involve significant and crucial transitions for the nation and the people of God. From Egypt, they transitioned into the wilderness from slaves to free people. We find them in the wilderness transitioning uh, and from a, a, a nation that was identified as the Hebrews to a nation that was identified as Israel, the people of God, a nation that was established in the wilderness with their own religious laws, their moral law, their civil laws, and a central place of worship. And then, of course, they transition from the wilderness 
into Canaan where they became landowners, where they possessed a land and where God told them, I want you to establish your identity as a people in this land. Essentially, we find in this journey principles and truths that in a sense are a roadmap for transition. They are principles that are timeless. The writer of Hebrews said they were written for our example today. And so as we study this, we can find some tremendous keys that will help us how to transition. Our future is determined by our ability to transition from one season to another. Of course, in this season right now, we've had to transition from a pre-COVID world to a world in the midst of COVID-19. And now, as the months uh, pass by, we are going to be transitioning. We are going to transition from a COVID-19 affected world to a post-COVID-19 world. And it's so important that as we make that transition, that we do that effectively. Of course, uh, COVID-19 has changed our world and will change our world in in much the same way as 9-11 did. The way we greet one another. For many people, the handshake will be a thing of the past. Even the fist pump has become an elbow pump. And the way that we greet each other, the way we gather, the way that we uh, interface, uh, our workspace, all of these things uh, uh, are going to affect the way we live when we come out of this season. Of course, as a church, uh, we're navigating how we can do that. What are the next steps that we can take? How can we segue into this uh, so that we're we're entering into this new season in different stages, which of course includes our Saturday evening worship and communion evenings, which are helping us to make that transition. Um, We are all going to and all have faced the economic impact of COVID-19. All of these are significant things that, that we have to transition and we have to navigate. And if we fail to transition, our ability to to navigate the next season will be greatly impaired. But if we are successful in transitioning, our ability to navigate the next season will be greatly improved. Our future is shaped by the way that we transition. Last week, uh, I was talking about the two main stages upon which the biblical drama unfolds. Of course, there are many different stages when we read the Bible that the drama unfolds on, but the vast majority of the Bible that is, uh, is written takes place very close to Jerusalem and takes place on two main stages. We looked at these two stages. Basically, uh, the right stage was the land on the right side of the Jordan River, in the arid harshness of the desert, which we refer and are referring to as the right stage. The left stage was on the left side of the Jordan River, and it was a place of fruitfulness, flowing with milk and honey, which we'll refer to as the left stage. 
These two stages, the right stage, a stage of scarcity and hardship, and the left stage, a stage of abundance and ease, to a large degree are the two stages, not only that the biblical drama unfolds on, but they're the two extremes of life in which we live. We live between times of hardship, times of scarcity, and times of abundance, and times of ease, and how we transition between those seasons in life, how we transition between those times is so important. And there are so many lessons that we can learn here. Of course, the big question for the nation of Israel was, how are they going to transition from scarcity and hardship to abundance and ease? And Israel's response was um, somewhat predictable in many ways. And it was very different on these two stages. Their relationship with God was affected by the stage or the season of life that they found themselves in. On the right stage, during times of hardship, they turned towards God. On the left stage, during times of abundance and ease, they turned away from God. And it seems that the harder and more difficult their experience was, the more they turned to God and the easier their experience was, the more they turned away from God. And to us, in a sense, that is the, um, that is in a sense, the, the, the way that of human nature. Our human nature is that very often during times of hardship, we, we cry out to God, we turn towards God. But then when things get better, we begin to forget when it's so easy to turn away from God. So on the right stage, spiritual life was a priority. On the left stage of abundance, spiritual life was no longer that priority. They didn't need God as much as they had before. And so this transition across the Jordan from right stage to left stage was one of the most important transitions uh, that they were going to make. And we are most vulnerable when we are in those times of transition. And God knew this. God reminded them again and again that when they made that tra this transition from hardship and scarcity to abundance and ease, that he said, when you get into the land, don't forget me. Don't be enticed to follow the gods of the left stage. Don't be distracted or, or uh, influenced by the practices of the Canaanites. Don't get taken off course. Keep focused on your purpose. Keep my word as your roadmap. Keep me as your focus. And they were, they were particularly vulnerable in this transition. In much the same way as we are, we are always more vulnerable during a time of transition. If you look at the human body as an example, of course, the, where, where our limbs or our body transitions from one part of the body to the other um, is where we are most vulnerable. Uh, if you look at the places in our body where we're most likely to be injured, 
They are those places of transition, our knees are a transition point, our elbows, our neck, our shoulders, our ankles, all of these are transition points in our physical body that are much more vulnerable than other parts of our body. And in exactly the same way in our own lives, when we are going through a transition personally, when we are going through a transition corporately as a church, when we're going through a transition as a nation, uh, as we are now, we are more vulnerable in those times than at other times. And so it's important that we understand how we can transition well so that we can make a way for our future. So everything was going to change. And last week we looked at how uh, the first transition was from scarcity and hardship on the right stage to plenty and ease. Today I want to look at uh, the next one, which is a transition from simplicity to complexity. As Israel moved from the right stage to the left stage, they moved from the simplicity of right stage living in the desert where there were no distractions, where it was quiet and lonely, and they were experiencing the, the hardship and the heat and the aridness of the, the desert. Life was very simple, but as they moved into the busy more densely populated left stage with all of the diversions and all of the activity and all of the movement that took place on the left stage, they moved from simplicity to complexity. And this brought with it a whole new set of challenges. Everything changed because everything had become more complex. And if you look at uh, these areas of how their lives move from simplicity to complexity, it's very interesting to see how the, their, their world changed. Um, of course, if you look at the geographical setting, on the right stage, they were in the desert. As they moved to the left stage, they moved to farms, to towns, and to cities. Um, when you look at their occupation, they were on the right stage, they were shepherds, they were tending their flocks. On the left stage, their occupation, they were farmers, they were merchants, they were traders, they were builders. And so again, they were moving from the simplicity of the right stage to more complex occupations. And then the leadership on the right stage was the prophetic leadership with the priests, in that central place of worship, the tabernacle, when they moved to the left stage, those uh, leadership structures began to become more complicated. They began to uh, move into a leadership structure that was more diverse, that was spread out across a larger area. And of course, God raised up judges. And then after the judges, of course, Samuel, who was uh, the prophet, who made way for the transition to the first of the kings, uh, Saul, and then, of course, David. So we see that every aspect of their lives moved from simplicity to complexity. However, when we look at the nation of Israel, and this is so interesting because it correlates to our lives, we find that 
life was not necessarily better. The quality of their lives was not necessarily better in the place of abundance, in the bigness of everything that was happening on the left stage, in the complexity of everything that was taking place on the left stage. And there was a sense where they moved from simplicity to complexity that they lost their way. How true it is that sometimes when we, our life becomes more complicated and we move out of a place of simplicity, uh, we, we, life becomes more complicated, it, it's so easy to lose our way. And several hundred years after they made this transition, God spoke to the nation of Israel in the midst of their complexity, at a time when they had lost their way, at a time when they had forgotten God, in a time when they had become self-absorbed, when they had become absorbed with all the complexity and the abundance of the life that they were enjoying on the left stage, this is what God said to them. God said through the prophet Jeremiah, go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem, I remember the devotion of your youth, how as a bride you loved me and followed me through the desert, through a land not sown. In the message version of the Bible, we read God's message came to me, it went like this, get out into the streets and call to Jerusalem, God's message. I remember your youthful loyalty, your love as newlyweds. You stayed with me through the wilderness years, stuck with me through all the hard places. Israel was God's holy choice, the pick of the crop. Anyone who laid a hand on her would soon wish he hadn't. God's decree. Those are such fascinating words and such a fascinating passage of scripture because God is reminiscing and he's calling to remembrance in the nation of Israel, a time when they were in the wilderness, in the simplicity of right stage, when their love and their devotion for God was so great that he refers to it as a a bride, that uh, uh, in a honeymoon period, and and that this was the, the youthful love of newlyweds, as they stayed in the wilderness years, as they stuck with God through the hard places. God was referring to this as actually a better day than the day that they were experiencing now. They had less, but they were closer to God. They, they, they were going through a time of hardship, but God's presence was more important to them and more significant for them. And so, He's reminding them about the time of their youth, the beginnings of their relationship with him as a nation, of their first love, of returning to their first love for God, and how they had lost that as they'd become more sophisticated, more slick, more urbanized, more complex. And these were times in Israel's history when God longed for them to go back to the simplicity they had when they were in the desert. God did not want them to lose what he'd brought them into, the abundance, the blessing, the, 
all that God had provided for them in a land of milk and honey, but he didn't want them to lose their relationship with him, which to him was more important than the abundance that they had. And so uh, in Jeremiah 9 and verse 2, Jeremiah uh, cries out to God and said, Oh, that I could go away and forget my people and live in a traveler's shack in the, in the desert, for they are all adulterers and a pack of treacherous liars. So Jeremiah is saying to God, God, help me to get out of this environment so that I can go to a place. I, I would prefer to live in a shack in the desert than in a palace in the midst of all that has been lost in the abundance that we're experiencing. And it's so, I feel like it's such a relevant uh, uh, principle when it comes to our own lives that sometimes in the complexity, in the rush, in the hustle, the bustle of our lives, we can lose the things that are most valuable that are often found in the simplicity, in going back to the basics, in going back to our first love, in remembering where we came from. And back in the 60s, uh, uh, I, I read in an article once back in the 60s that, that this saying was, was quite predominant uh, and was actually uh, written in a graffiti uh, on a wall in New York. And it said, I want to be what I was when I wanted to be what I am now. I think that's such a powerful statement. I want to be what I was when I wanted to be what I am now. In other words, it's communicating or expressing this same idea that something was lost in the transition from simplicity to complexity. Maybe we could keep that simplicity in the midst of the complexity of our lives and our worlds. Maybe we could return to our first love for Jesus and keep that ardent love for him burning in the midst of all the distraction and all the busyness of our lives. Walt Disney used to remind his team, he would say after after their great success, he would say, never forget, it all began with a mouse. Maybe that's a word for us. Never forget where it began, the very beginnings, the simplicity of the beginnings. I love what Winston Churchill said uh, at the onset of the Second World War. He said, I have only one purpose, the destruction of Hitler, and my life is much simplified thereby. How important it is to keep the simplicity and the focus of our purpose uh, in the midst of all the transitions that we experience. In the increasing complexity of our lives and the growth and complexity of our world, we must be careful that we don't lose the devotion and first love that we had for God in the beginning. That we don't forget our purpose as a people. That we don't forget where we came from. That we don't forget what Jesus did for us and has done for us. That we don't forget our identity. We don't forget who we are. That we are the people of God that in those transitions into the complexity of our world, that we become someone else or something else, that we lose our identity, we lose our distinctives. 
And so as Israel transitioned from simplicity to complexity, they faced that challenge of how to keep the simplicity of their walk and faith with God that they'd experienced in the right stage in the midst of their left stage experience. And that's such an important thing for us as we transition through any season in life into a bigger, more complicated, busier world. The next thing, the next major transition that we see is a transition from clarity to ambiguity. The desert was an environment of clarity. Things were much clearer in the desert. It was an environment of simple absolutes. It was an environment of black and white, of life and death, of obedience and disobedience. It was a life of blessings and curses. It was very clear the definition between those two extremes was very clear in the wilderness. And, and there was absolutely no ambiguity. There was total clarity. However, when they moved into the left stage that was busy and bustling and a lot of activity and a lot of different religions and gods of the left stage, and there was trade and people coming from other parts of the world through the land and, and all of the diversions that were there, it was an environment that was not a, an environment of clarity. It was an environment of ambiguity. Things weren't quite so easily defined. Uh, things weren't quite so clear. Situa situational ethics became much more prevalent and the more complex things became, the more open to personal interpretation was the world in which they lived. It became easier for the Israelites to justify things that would not have been tolerated in earlier days in the stark clarity and extremes of right stage. It became easier to make allowances for certain things, it became easier to compromise. It became easier for people to lose their way. Many of the questions that had become so clear, but when they entered the promised land, God said to destroy all of the Canaanites. When they came into the land, the question, does God really mean to wipe out all of the Canaanites? Does God want us to conquer every square inch of the land or can we just stop here and, and not conquer the land to the full extent of the borders that God told us to conquer. Do we really need our business to uh, be framed by God's laws? Do we really need to bring faith into our business situation? Um, and, and so black and white uh, made way for gray. Um, life and death became not life and death, but it became degrees of prosperity and wealth. Um, disobedience and obedience to the law became circumstantial. And, and blessings and curses uh, faded in the self-sufficiency and independence that abundance afforded them. So the 
nation of Israel uh, began to encounter an environment that caused them to become very ambiguous. There was no, the, the, the clarity that they had when they went into the land was lost. Um, before they went into the land, this is what they said. Um, they said to Joshua, who was leading them, whatever you command us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Well, there was nothing ambiguous about that statement they made to Joshua. It was very clear. There was absolute clarity. There was absolute commitment to their purpose. There was absolute commitment to the understanding of what God had asked them to do. But not many years later, at the end of the book of Judges, we find this being read as the last verses of, or the last verse of the book of Judges. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. In other words, they had gone from that absolute clarity that they had of their vision, their mission, their purpose under Joshua to a place where they basically were a nation where everyone did whatever they felt like doing. Everyone did whatever they thought was the best thing to do. They did what was right in their own eyes, in their own opinion, and every decision they made was not based on the word of God or the principles of his word, but upon how they felt that they should respond in a very ambiguous world. God was saying, and he says to us, as you transition, as you transition to the next phase, as you transition to the next stage, make sure that you don't let what was once so clear become ambiguous. The clarity of your vision, the clarity of your mission, the clarity of your core values, the clarity of your ethics. And God warned them time and time again. He reminded them time and time again, and he reminds us as well, don't lose your way in the abundance. Don't lose your way in the complexity. Don't lose your way in the ambiguity, but keep the, the principles that you learned in the hard times, that you learned in the simplicity, and that you learned in the clarity of the wilderness, central to your purpose. Live in the abundance of the left stage with the spirituality of the right stage, in the complexity of the left stage with the simplicity of the right stage, in the ambiguity of the left stage with the clarity of the right stage. And as you do that, you will establish your identity in the land and you will transform your world. May that be our reality as we transition as a people into the next season, whatever that may be, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, I pray that that message was an encouragement to you. It's something that we all need to navigate in our own lives. And I pray that faith rose in your heart and uh, that as we approach 
all that lies ahead for us in the remainder of this year, that we can do so from a position of strength, learning those vital keys and lessons from those who've gone before us. If you've never made a decision to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we wanna give you an opportunity to do that in this service. And of course, we can't earn our salvation. We can't do anything to, to uh, gain God's approval through our works. We are saved because God knew that the only one who could pay the penalty for our sins would be Jesus, the one who is perfect and who took our place on the cross so that we could be forgiven. And today, if you wanna know what it is to be forgiven, to receive the gift of eternal life, the assurance that when you go out of this world into eternity, you will spend eternity with Jesus and your loved ones who've made that decision also. And that on the other side of time in eternity, we're gonna be entering into a realm that is without end, where we can experience God's love and presence and a whole new uh, dimension. All of that is available to us because Jesus came from heaven to earth so that he could restore us here on earth to our heavenly Father. I wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me. You're gonna know God's peace in your heart. You're gonna have a sense of, of destiny and purpose that will enter your heart as you receive Christ as your savior, you receive his spirit and you'll know his love and grace. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. I open up my heart and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to forgive me, to give me a brand new beginning and start. And I thank you that from this day on, I will never be the same again. I determine in my heart, I'm going to follow you closely all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, Jesus said, you've just been born again. Your spirit has come alive to God. And I wanna encourage you to pray to God, start to talk to him, start to read his word. And of course, contact us, the uh, details are on the screen so that you can, we can help you take the next steps. We're so glad you made that decision. We're so excited about all that God has in store for you. And, and we just want to encourage you to step into everything that God has for you. So glad you made that decision today. All of our hope all of our trust in all of our future.
Once again, we're so glad that you've been able to join us this weekend. I pray that you have an amazing Labor Day weekend and uh, that you, uh, God blesses you greatly and causes his favor to give you opportunities and open doors for you this week. Don't forget next Saturday, we have a worship and communion night, Saturday night at 6 p.m. Uh, at the front of our church building. We'd love you to join us. This is a perfect segue for us to transition from all these months of not being able to meet to now starting to meet. You can come with your own level of comfort. You can pick a spot a bit further away if you want more distance, um, wear a mask. Uh, feel free to uh, enjoy what has been a great, great moment for us as a church. We've done this three times now. This will be the fourth time. We'd love you to join us. I pray that God blesses you richly. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and may he keep you now and evermore in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.